0: And I found that when I'm in periods and points of time where I have high stress and I have high pressure and people are depending on me, that that's when I lift my game up even
1: higher. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Guys and girls, welcome to another Enlightened Entrepreneur podcast with our special guest Nate Lind. got it right, got it right, Uh, this, this guy is super awesome, not just because he's wearing a Batman shirt, so if you're listening to this you need to find the video and watch it, not least because he's wearing a Batman shirt and a Santa hat all in one, even Batman didn't dare to do that but uh, this dude has had brands doing 100 million dollars, he's got communities, he's running events, he's turned multiple businesses into massive businesses from like no starting capital. He's a cool dude, he's got a lot of other stuff going on and we're of course gonna get into that in this interview and if you stay till the end, uh, Nate's actually got a approved list of vendors and partners um, that he only shares actually privately in his group, and he has agreed to share that with anybody that wants to give us their attention to the end, because we know that attention is a finite resource in this day and age, and so we want to incentivize you. It is a bribe, but it will be worth it. Nate, how the hell are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic, and and I, I, I couldn't start this interview after hearing all this like this this trumpet, like I'm walking into this like <laughs> magical castle and all these great things being said about me without also bringing it down home too Yes. Like I've had tons and tons of, of, of fantastic success. Um, you know, I live a, a four-hour workweek life. Uh, I can work anywhere in the world. I've been able to do that for years now. But I for sure have had a monstrous amount of obstacles. I've made millions. I've lost millions. And um, I'm I'm probably one of the most humble online entrepreneurs that you'll meet. You'll never catch me taking selfies with me in a Lamborghini because one, I don't own one. Two, I think it's silly. And um, and three, I read The Millionaire Next Door when I was in my my 20s, and I believe that most millionaires are driving around in Ford F-150s that are probably 15, 20 years old. So that's my lifestyle. But um, yeah, I just I'm excited to be on, and and uh, you know anything I can do to help you guys and your community. I've, I've definitely had some big wins in my uh, my column before, and uh, like I mentioned, I've had some pretty tough losses. So I'm happy to share how those challenges and those failures have led me on to be d- able to do better uh, because life is trial and error and we don't have any way to figure out what the hell we're doing we're, we're on the cutting edge than to get cut a little bit so that's I like uh that.
1: I like that's that. it i've not i've not heard that cutting edge actually getting cut on the cutting edge expression before <laughs> by i'm gonna steal natism it. i'm gonna steal it Na- natism all right natism. okay all right so your lawyers will be on me if i if i use that but i'm gonna use it so bring it on use it I'm going to use it. Right. So, um, absolutely, Nate. Um, you know, absolutely. We've spoken offline. We've, we've, we've had a number of conversations. Um, you're a super humble dude. Um, we're going to be hanging out in January, which I'm looking forward to, which more on that later on. Um, but I am going to try and encourage you to really, you know, reveal those, uh, those tender pink bits, uh, for this podcast. We like a little bit of that. Um, and so, uh, let's get into things. So we were, we were chatting off air a little bit. And um, you know, there's a lot of opening points for this podcast, and I, you know, I know that you've got people that follow you. Um, they they watch everything um, that you do and listen to all the po- interviews you do, and so I'm keen to keep it unique, keep it fresh. But we need to start somewhere logical, like at the beginning. Yeah. And my understanding is that you actually started one or more businesses without any money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which is pretty cool.
1: So can we start with
0: that? so let's start at the beginning of my online entrepreneurship. Um, I I got started actually this was all a side hustle. I invested in an online business. I was actually trying to buy one and that didn't go through. But and what I saw was the I was able to see like the profit and loss and and the the numbers and the you know when you're buying a business you get to see the due diligence of it. And uh, I come from a real estate background, so du- due diligence is you know a phrase it's it's really common when you're getting ready to buy a property you do your due diligence. It's just making Sure, you know what the hell you're getting into. So I was getting ready to buy a business. Uh, I had stacked away some cash from when I was when I was uh, a house flipper in my 20s, and I was going to invest a, a you know a chunk of cash. And I was always it was just drilled into me leverage other people's money, um, you know, using a lender, using you know credit, using you know partnerships, that sort of stuff. So when I, when I was getting into this. Um, I, that's exactly what I did. That specific deal I was getting ready to buy didn't end up happening; didn't work out. But I was able to find um, by doing some uh, some additional networking another opportunity. And I literally invested um, no money down to start. I used my credit cards in the beginning. Like I I literally was using you know credit cards. Let me hide the number here so you guys can't take <laughs> my. I was yeah, literally using credit cards.
1: Phew, thank you because um, I didn't know what a credit card was, and so that's. I'm, I'm glad just you in did case that. Like credit, you
0: don't what know what a credit, credit card is. is. I've got a couple of them look here. At this. Got a PayPal card I just got too. So <laughs> um so yeah, I mean I, I use credit. And it's yeah. it's funny because I've talked with entrepreneurs that like like would look down their nose at me like, Oh, you couldn't get you know financing somewhere else, or you couldn't raise a bunch of money from in Silicon Valley or or with you know with, with venture capitals or angel investors. Well, I didn't want to because when you do that, You're working for somebody else. And the goal around all this was for me to stop working full time. Because at the time, I was a, a vice president at Bank of America. And I had kind of a cushy uh, corporate job. I was working from home, too, at that point. So that was pretty cool. But I definitely was not living a four-hour work week. I was working like 50, 60 hours a week. So that sucked. Um, So that's that's really what my goal getting into this was, is I wanted a passive investment, something that would give me the flexibility and the freedom to be able to live and move anywhere. At the time, my wife and I were thinking about moving from the – we were in the northern Virginia area outside of Washington, D.C., and we were we wanted to move somewhere. She wanted to go to Dallas. I wanted to go to Denver. So of course we picked a place that neither of us really wanted to go to, and it was Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, so that's where we were for about six years. And now she she got her way, and we're in Dallas. So that's that's what I did in the beginning. I, I used I used credit cards to buy inventory, to buy advertising. Um, we used uh, we used credit cards to to pay for like the setup of our websites and that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it put on a tremendous amount of pressure and a ton of stress, but I knew I had to perform. And I found that when I'm in uh, uh, periods and points of time where I have high stress and I have high pressure and people are depending on me, that that's when I lift my game up even higher so that I don't uh, I don't want to fail to meet people's expectations. So that's, that's just been kind of a common mindset for me as I'll put myself in really uncomfortable positions and then... You know, watch the the magic of Nate pull out of it.
1: Nice. And so, what what business was that, what what uh, space or niche or, or whatever yep. you want to go into? What was that that first business?
0: So it- it was just a, it was a health and beauty supplement business. Uh, so I was looking to buy the the first business I was looking to buy was a was a mental clarity. It was kind of it was like a ginkgo biloba like super supplement, and uh, the owner of it he was his face was the brand. He was an author and you know he, you know he had a, his email list like knew him because he was the the guru behind all of it. So it's actually good that it didn't work out because I don't like looking back on it now trying to separate someone that's that personally branded into a brand isn't very easy to do um so we ended up doing basically kind of like a a split test on a brand and it was it was a series of dietary supplements and probiotics and and uh, uh cleansers and that sort of stuff that 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 Fortunate for me, I fell into um, a situation where the, the individuals that were kind of doing the majority of the work had already, had already had some success prior and they knew that the first place to start is not an e-commerce page with like 50 vitamins on it. It's a funnel with one option and then you buy that option and then you've got an opportunity to upsell another option and that's it. And um, it just so happened that they were also on continuity, and um, so that that encourages a lifetime value over time, mm. and that's good and bad. Like continuity, you have to be very, you have to disclose it very clearly and conspicuously, or it can result in, in in higher chargebacks and complaints and that sort of stuff. But I didn't know about any of that stuff when I got started. I had to learn that as I went.
1: Nice one. So. Um and and now that's super interesting because we you know we get people on here and, and, and a lot of them are e-commerce professionals um uh, you know crushing obviously but um it sounds to me because you said it so reading literally on the lines not between them that you didn't start with an e-commerce store with 50 products you started with one I I I'm just I I'm, I'm in your head I think or you said yes. that or you said that's that exactly. verbatim but um so so this is this is um, CPA, right? So, so you've got a funnel. Um, you're sending traffic to that funnel. How much of that traffic was yours and how much was other people's?
0: It was zero of my own traffic and 100. I don't have 100 fingers. So <laughs> let's just pretend this is 10 10- percentage points per finger. Yep. It was 100% it was 100% affiliate based traffic in the beginning. And it was it was CPA. So for those of you that aren't familiar with it with that terminology, it's not your accountant, certified public accountant. No, it's cost per acquisition. It's also called cost per action. And in the cost per acquisition, you only pay for a customer when they have actually bought something. There's literally a pixel that fires on the thank you page, so that there's tracking that goes through the various, um, you know, the various tracking systems and stuff that are out there that lets the affiliate know that they made a sale. So they are incentivized for you to have a full-on sale, not just send looky loos to your website who bounce off of it. And it requires a very particular skill set to make sure that your website converts. And converting is just making sure that someone who's looking on your page actually hits the buy now button and converts into a customer. So um, that's that's the key critical part to it. Is it if you if you don't do that you won't get us if if you don't do that you won't get massive amounts of sales and i still see this now people that are you know all about e-commerce yeah yeah i've got i can drop ship all of these products well when a, when a, when a customer a potential customer comes to your website and they see this chinese menu of 100 options they're not going to know what to pick um, and, and and this is proven time and time again. People have built massive businesses around this. Russell Brunson's you know running crazy with ClickFunnels, that using you know your one funnel away. And you know I, I agree with some of that. I don't necessarily agree with the tech stack he's got behind ClickFunnels. Um, but there's a, you know there's there's a lot of good sense that comes with a a good linear sales funnel. And direct response marketing gurus will they will adhere to that rule uh, like all the time pick your best seller and then create a funnel for it and then run traffic to it um, if not your own go get affiliate traffic
1: I mean and what and what really affiliate um, what affiliate traffic is I mean it's the early influencers right it's the early influencer marketing so you are looking for people that control communities they own their own traffic and you're incentivizing them to give you some of that traffic to your particular um, offer and so did you um, how did you approach that? Did you did you have like a, a top hundred list? Whereby you were going one-on-one or were you hitting the um, affiliate agencies or did you have another option? Like how how did you? Uh, get there.
0: Yeah, so most of the affiliates that I ended up using were uh, were, were affiliate or were performance marketing affiliates, so they actually weren't like bloggers or 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 influencers as we know them today now influencers is somewhat of a new thing like that like six seven, seven years ago there weren't Instagram influencers there weren't really YouTube influencers like people hadn't quite figured that out yet. So the majority of the affiliates that I've, I've used um, have been uh, really skilled at driving paid media. So in the old days it used to be MySpace and then it was Facebook. And it's still quite a bit Facebook, but then you know Google Display Network, and and um, and then there's a variety of native uh, ads and, and native websites that people would put placements on Taboola, Outbrain, like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So these guys just became really, really good salesmen. Like they're just like badasses at at paid media. And the easiest way to find them is actually to go to affiliate events, and that's what I did. I went to Affiliate Summit uh, for many, many years. And that's where I started to meet these affiliate networks. I used to go to an event called AdTech. And ad tech's not really in existence anymore, or definitely not in the way that it was back in the in the day. Um, and we would go and then we would literally, you know, we'd buy a ticket to the summit and we would go and, and booth the booth and we would talk with um, with the, uh, you know, the, the sales reps and stuff at the booth. And it was an entirely inefficient way of doing it, but there was no other way at the time. Um, we just had to spend time going to these events and spending time talking to them. And then also what we were doing is... Uh, we were constantly vetting and tweaking and changing and, and replacing our uh, our vendors. So it, when I started, when when we first started and got set up, we didn't do our own customer service. We didn't do our own fulfillment. We didn't do our own manufacturing. Like, remember, I approached this looking for a passive business. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking to go from working sixty hours a week for a bank to working sixty hours and an extra sixty hours a week. Like shipping products and driving shit over to the post office, and and, man, and like trying to like pick up the phone while I'm also have a day job. Like I couldn't do that. Nice. So we we set up and we used these outsourced uh, providers for those main operational chunks of our business, like customer service, fulfillment, manufacturing, um, you know, like that sort of stuff. Nice. So we would. I also found that it was really helpful to talk to those providers and just ask them who do you recommend for traffic like just you know people getting onto my website that's what they call traffic and and they would refer me to people like there was there was already an ecosystem in the CPA universe this the CPA world where these vendors knew each other and they were referring people back and forth and and, and encouraging them to work together and that sort of stuff so that's um, those are the, the two main ways that I, I found people and um, it took forever it took A ton of time and that's kind of why like you know for folks of you that are listening if you stay until the end uh, you get access to that preferred vendor list that's something that we compile as a part of our summits every year that is magic because that one directory will save you two years worth of hunting like it did for me in the beginning
1: Wow! and so so in this case um, when you're talking about vendors are you talking about affiliate networks or like like what 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 you classify as a vendor in this sense
0: it's 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 all of the above. So, a vendor is any third-party company that's providing some um, uh, some operational uh, uh, asset to your company. So, let's say it's an affiliate network; they're they're a vendor. A fulfillment company who is actually shipping the products direct to the customer—that's a vendor. A uh, a manufacturer who's putting all the products into you know into you know your supplement bottles or if they're putting them into boxes if you've got gadgets whatever it is they're a vendor to you like you're the hub and they're the spokes so all of the spokes surrounding the, the nucleus of your core business are vendors to you they're third-party companies that are providing a service on your behalf
1: amazing and yeah what what a good reason to um stay if the christmas hat wasn't enough and so um for the fun folks of this particular podcast Nate hacked this podcast by wearing a Christmas hat so that I can't possibly publish this outside of winter. <laughs> so That's
0: it. It's a good job. Get it's a good quick.
1: job. <laughs> Jump straight to the queue. No, but um so so at this point we're talking about CPA and we're talking about um, the the health space. And um and we're still um this is still the, the, the business that had the the influencer dude, the author, um wrapped up in it as well
0: yeah yeah so like the kind of kind of like the nuts and bolts of the businesses so the the product owner the person who who owns the product you can call it a brand some people will call it the offer they they're known in the cpa universe as an advertiser um it's a little bit backwards traditionally you think of oh an advertiser is someone who's helping me sell something well that's not that's not true and performance marketing it somehow or another the terminology got backwards long before i ever showed up so my my community and my 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 viewpoint, my perspective has has always been that of an of a product owner or brand or or the advertiser. I'm the I'm the, the store, the Shopify store or the merchant as they call it. And then from that, you know, the, the, the spokes to my hub is people who are driving traffic to me. Um, That's all third party. That's not that's not done in house. I I tried multiple times to bring that in house because it is the most expensive part of the business. Uh, It's just not been my specialty. So you know, when I got cut on the cutting edge, you know, three or four times, I eventually just said, you know what, I'm tired of getting cut. So I'm done with that part. So I just focused on what I was good at, and what I was good at was uh, was also taking some of the um, the the mathematic the equations from what I learned in real estate and applying those to e-commerce. And in, in real estate, and it, it's it's funny for me to talk about this now because I was an art major. Like I struggled with math in school. I, I had to repeat math and I was terrible at it. But one of the things I, I am good at is repetition. And if if you if you've ever been involved in anything real estate, uh, if you're in e-commerce, you're going to know that there's five or six calculations you have to keep calculating over and over and over again. In real estate, you need to understand what's the loan to value, the LTV of the property you're trying to acquire, and then what's the upside? What's the what's the um, the ARV? What's the adjusted uh, you know retail value of it? And then then you understand what's the difference between those two, and that's hopefully your profit. Well, in e-commerce, you need to understand what the cost of acquisition is, the CPA, and you need to understand what your customer lifetime value is. And the difference between that isn't necessarily your profit. It's your gross profit, but then you need to add in uh, the cost of goods to actually manufacture. You need to add in your shipping, your customer service, that sort of stuff. And as that as that starts to shrink, then you're left with your profit. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't know what your profit is, then you, you're not going to be able to run a successful business. And I, I built some, uh, some domain and subject matter expertise around that because I built a, uh, a software platform called offer profit and spelled profit like, like Jesus, like P R O P H E T. So it was kind of like the, you know, like the looking glass or, um, or like the, the, um, the crystal ball of looking at it because in the, in the early days, there was no reporting to tell me how much money I was making, and quite frankly, I wasn't making any money in the beginning. Mo- and most online entrepreneurs aren't, even the ones driving Lamborghinis. That's a that's a story for another day. <laughs> but um, anyways, shattered
1: my reality right there. To- yeah. Bam. Boom. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but with if you don't have access to your uh, to your numbers, and you can't, you, you, if you can't figure out how much your cost of acquisition is, and and use and subtract that from the customer's lifetime value and if you're if you're not selling on a subscription then it's your average order value it's your a, your aov so you need let's just say someone's you know spending $200 on your website cuz you've got one of these e-commerce and they're picking a whole bunch of stuff and you know boom they're spending chinese 200 menu, bucks put it the in. chinese menu yeah. which uh, i i I still never have seen that work over seven figures a month like it it's seven figure a month or more is a funnel it's always a funnel I can In introduce theory,
1: you to a few guys, but I, would, I, I, I but I get to. what you're saying, right? The difference fundamentally, the difference between an e-commerce store and a funnel could be like six percent on the conversion rate, right? You, an yep. e-commerce business is going to convert at best between maybe two and five percent, whereas yep. like a funnel, you can be pushing that up there somewhat.
0: Oh, absolutely! And you introduce me to someone who's got an e-commerce site that's doing seven figures a month. I'll teach them how to make eight figures a month on a funnel,
1: <laughs> and a commission, so. and a generous a generous commission of ten percent, something.
0: Yeah, you know what? I can go even lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's really just how it works. Um, so you, you you need to know your math. That's that's where you know having spent. I literally was working like Saturdays and Sundays. You know, I was working seven days a week for the first like two years. I was doing this because there was no automatic way to extract all that um, shopping cart d- data into a repository and then put together reporting to figure out okay, his, this is how much I'm earning, and then also pulling the expenses that you're getting for your, your invoices on co- on cost acquisition. There was no one place that you could put all that together, and I'm i don't know if i'm the first one to build it or not but i'm I'm one of the earlier pioneers of putting that all together and I, i sold that platform to a crm called limelight crm and then other crms and other platforms started to build some reporting like that as well or maybe they had it in development at the same time but i was that was kind of one of my earlier claim to fame since i figured all that out and put it in there and that's that's what was able that that was one of the key things that enabled me a competitive edge against a lot of people that were out there at the time and um yeah, that was that was a really fun time, but it was a, a grueling seven days a week. Uh, eight nine hours a day because I was literally making these giant spreadsheets and pivot tables and stuff and remember I'm a freaking art major like I was googling how to do a pivot table was, And then creating these pivot tables and extracting all this data and then the next day all new data would come in I'd have to repeat the process all over again and eventually I was just getting so frustrated that I hired some developers and um, Showed them my spreadsheet told them what I was trying to do and then we, we backed into creating a, a, a database or a repository of data created an electronic uh, ETL, electronic transfer. Fuck, I don't even know what it's called. We created what's called an ETL to pull this data into the database. And then we were able to query the database really quickly. Because another thing we learned too, if you mess around with your shopping cart and your CRM while sales are coming in, it stalls out. Like you're, yeah. you're piling too many people into that Lamborghini. Eventually that Lamborghini, <laughs> it, it can't get up and go like the, the tires squished down too much.
1: Yeah, It doesn't take um, much actually to squish those down. So they can't go over like a little bump in the road. Um, exactly. You know, I, I'm a side note here, but I do know a few e-commerce who who've like struck it rich, bought a Lambo and then sold it right back at a massive loss and got like a different car, like a week later. Um, but I, um so
0: just just rent it if you're out there and you strike it rich before you spend money on an exotic go to las vegas or go to any of the places you can rent them and rent it for a week and after a week if you still are in love with that car okay and you've got the cash to do it not the credit but you actually have the cash to do it and you're not going to care if you're going to take a huge loss then okay
1: (laughs) there you go go for it so um As we said, like the, um, the early CPA marketing was, it it has a lot of similarities with the current influencer marketing, right? And, and right now, um, there are a lot of people talking about influencer marketing. There's a lot of people crushing with influencer marketing, but we are like right at the beginning of it in a world where, and I'm a futurist. I love following people, like people like Peter Diamantis, the inevitable is one of my favorite books. Um, I love like knowing what's coming up and then trying to build my business to intersect that boom that's going to happen. Right. And one of the booms that hasn't, properly happened in a world where everybody with a webcam and a microphone can be a potentially an influencer if they've got something to, to say. And by the way, camera and a microphone, it's on your mobile phone, right? So everybody's yeah. got one of those anyway, right? In a world where everybody has the potential to become an influencer if they've got something interesting to say, and yet at the moment only maybe like 1% or 2% of those people putting out content actually are, we've got a long way to go. Um, in this influencer boom, and and it's it's a phenomenally exciting area. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a little second. Um, it's a phenomenally exciting um, time and um, opportunity because these are people that have genuinely built up good um, a good rapport, value with their communities, and they also have already heard the horror stories of people before them who have just burnt their communities by peddling shit. And so um, now. If you're able to uh, find influencers that can actually um, uh, resonate with your message and 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 um, agree to work with you and share your products with their audience, and you do that time and time and time again, it's extremely scalable and um, it's it's just phenomenal. Right, it's a huge opportunity. And so going back to. Um, Nate in the 90s or early 2000s with the CPA, I, I, I don't know what it was, um, what uh, similarities, what, uh, What? What? Um, uh, I think similarities is, is the best word yep. I can come up with, can you draw I, between that and influencer marketing nowadays?
0: There's a, hu- there's a huge parallel that I'm seeing in, the in, 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 in in this so um just just to affirm the the record i i actually only got started in 2011 so i'm still i'm not like old guard like some of the old guard guys are but i learned i learned a lot really fast putting in those seven days i thought you were
1: a child prodigy i apologize
0: i so yeah it's actually interesting because i did all that real estate in my 20s which i got started in like 2001 so 2001 through 2008 i was a i was a real estate uh, a house flipper and then i spent some time going back to corporate america and then uh and then got into into all this but to get back to your question the the parallels that I see between a uh, influencer marketing and affiliate marketing uh, there there's a lot of them um, the 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 biggest one that I am that I see is the generation of traffic so Uh, influencers with large consumer bases, they've got the ability, like you just said, to reach them at at a very affordable rate. Um, So let's just take an an Instagram influencer. There's someone that has 250,000 followers on Instagram, and they're highly engaged, meaning they're they're actively commenting, not just a shitload of, of followers that aren't really doing anything. But if there's a lot of engagement that that influencer that Instagram influencer has no idea most of the time but they could be making a million you know millions of dollars a year yeah. if they were able to align themselves with a couple of brands not a whole bunch of them they can't, it can't be a big pitch fest but if there is a you know a couple of core brands that can pay them on a cost per acquisition and that influencer can figure that out They can make a massive amount of money. And I know this because some of the affiliates that I've used before, like in my beard product, when I was selling Beard Czar, some of our best traffic sources were from affiliates that were building Instagram accounts and then making posts in those Instagram accounts leading to my funnel. Mm -hmm. And so and I was like as I was watching this, I was curious. So I'm I'm following the process and I'm kind of reverse engineering it just to kinda put my you know, just to settle the Um, The analytical brain of Nate just like curious and that curiosity and I was watching this happen and they were doing it with like 50,000 followers like it wasn't that much and they were generating like hundreds of sales so 100 sales at a $40 CPA is good money and that stacks up and then you imagine doing that like days over days weeks over weeks like that turns into real coin. So it, it doesn't take a whole lot, but most of the Instagram followers that are out there, they've they've attained some success because of their zany or eclectic character that may not have a business sense on how to monetize that. That's a huge missing piece that I see right now that, that it's I don't know how that part's gonna get solved because some of the influencers and these big zany you know, eclectic characters, I think um, maybe have a little bit of the wrong perspective as to what their goals and objectives should be, which may prevent them from getting over that hump of capitalism to figure out, okay, well now I've got this following, how do I monetize this? Because usually in our outreach to influencers, they want just obscene numbers for a post and they don't want anything on the back end, which I think is very short-sighted for them. It should be a combination of a little bit upfront, but the, the majority of it on the back end because that's how you know you've got some synergy with a product brand, and you can scale it together.
1: And the good thing is, though, uh, fortunately, the influencers are a dime a dozen, and um, and they're increasing everybody every day, right? So uh, certainly, as us as as marketers, we can become a little bit choosy um, with this, or just have a lot of smaller marketers. Yep. But I'm curious, and I want to get, I want to get into the sort of the actionable stuff in terms of. Convincing an influencer that your brand is the brand that they should choose to work with—you um, know, presenting it in the right angle, pre- speaking their language—is there any kind of um, parallels you can you can draw there with with your success in the CPA world and what's working or what would work with influencers nowadays?
0: I've actually found it's quite a bit different there, so that's kind of where the where the parallel splits off. So with with affiliates, it's uh, it's it's really easy to talk their language. Their language is money. Yeah. Uh, affiliates are uh, are capitalist based. They're almost like uh, like day traders on the stockroom floor. Like they're they are arbitraging the cost of how much it it a click costs them to how much they earn per click. And that's another big number that if you get in if you if anyone that's listening is serious about performance marketing, you need to quickly figure out what EPC is earnings per click. EPC is. Now you take one, you, you step one step away from you as the owner of the product brand, and you're talking now to an affiliate network or an affiliate. They make their money. The calculation they're measuring is the cost per click and their earnings per click. That difference is how much money they're making. And in order for you to be a smart business partner with them, you need to figure out what that is because they're they want to make at least a thirty percent margin and in some of the heydays some you know some of those rascals are making like 1000% margins just and you know it's just insane and by and large many of those are the guys that walked away with, with lamborghinis that they paid cash and you know god bless them they earned it um <laughs> So, but with influencer marketing, I found, you know, the outreach that we've done and we've had some influencing part, uh, some like Instagram influencers and some other influencers that we've worked with before, like even in the beer product, uh, worked with a really, really great chap. Um, and he was not motivated by money. Like he, he was, was more interested in, uh, the, the content and, and the relationship that he was building with his users. And, and, and he kind of had, he was seeing money coming from modeling, um, as something that was real tangible for him. So when we worked out a deal with him, we were paying him a monthly fee, basically kind of like a monthly retainer, uh, to generate content. And like right out of the gate, boom, he hit it and it was awesome. And, and then like he was getting some other gigs that was paying him more money. So then we kind of like, like then we kind of fell off the radar. So I either needed to increase the monthly amount to him or, um, I wasn't going to be on his radar, and the, the problem we had was he was being sought after by so many other brands. I couldn't keep his like art the link to us on his bio for Instagram up all the time. So he would make a post, and nothing would really happen. Like we would we would end up using those posts for creatives. Um, so we we would take those videos or whatever, we put them on our landing pages, or we would give them to. Uh, to affiliates to use those to then create ads around those to come to our website too, um, and that's another way, and, th- and that can be a profitable way too. So using influencers to create brand awareness, taking that collateral and giving it to affiliates who are more focused on just the generation of revenue, and then letting them drive traffic that way. Yeah, smart,
1: that's smart. And actually, I, I cover I cover a little bit of that in my um, in my new book, which I normally have a copy next to me, but I'm not um my new book imagine it it's kind of similar to this thing this background image but um yeah exactly the same way right so um actually we're talking about user generated content which works so well for ads right in some in some ways in in certain channels not all channels but um like user generated amateur looking uh grainy yep you know um so sort of authentic content works so well for ads and I think many people forget that when they're negotiating with the influencers who are who are going to create content, right? I mean, we had um, we had a, um, a brand in the fitness space, and we had these 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 gym um, we call them gym rats, but it's a nice thing, right? It's a nice term. I don't know if that's an international term, but gym rats. Yeah, um, it is. and you know they would they would take our products with them to the gym, and they're shooting authentic stuff um, and across all these different gyms, um, which is great. Uh, material it really helped our customers imagine themselves with with the products and so um, absolutely if there is a little bit of a shortfall between a great influencer and their price and the price that you want to pay potentially that can be filled with all of that amazing content that you can run um, advertising with. So- we've
0: seen some. We've seen some other cool uh, influencer marketing um, tactics or, or strategies where you someone will go out and get like a large influencer and pay like some crazy amount of money. But then once they've gotten that influencer, then that draws like all of the wannabe influencers who want to be like them. Uh, to to come on board, so that's another strategy that uh, that I, I've not personally employed. That I think it's a smart strategy. Um, and a couple of buddies were telling me about how they've done that before, and I think that's a pretty pretty interesting one too.
1: I think we've got a mutual friend that that um, that is literally like his main tactic is getting that that big dog, and then and then you know all of the ones, the other ones underneath wanna you know wanna be in the same category, and um, yeah, it works phenomenally well. Um, but obviously that is a ballsy a ballsy move, hitting right at the top but you know if you um if that's your if that's your approach then it, you know it works really well so yep. so at this point we're we're sort of um fluxing you've you've mentioned beards are briefly um but we've gone from so CPA in the health space and then you um you did create an e-commerce brand or is this is this a series of funnels uh together in the beard space or uh, what does that look like and, and what's the story between that transition period as well
0: yeah, most of my experience has been has been funnel related. Um, we've we will usually create e-commerce uh, stores to support the the brand, uh, but we don't run traffic to it. Um, you know, I, we just. For us, that that was never our, our uh, winning strategy. We, we would run traffic to funnels that were very specifically designed to sell a specific product to a specific customer demographic. And then after we captured that customer as a sale, then we, we would redirect them back to an e-commerce store. So at that point, we've established some brand trust, some, some, um, some affinity with them. And now we can circle back to them and say, hey, we've got all this other cool stuff on sale. You know, you go take a look at it, you know, this month we've got this as a feature product or that as a feature product. Like that's, that's mostly been our strategy. And, and we've also done that across platforms and we do that very successfully on Amazon too. Um, <clears throat> we take a different approach to Amazon and this is something that I find really fascinating is there's, there's, Companies that exist entirely on Amazon with physical products, and I think to myself, there's no stupider way of <laughs> building a business than to do that, because at any point in time, some you know some aggressive Chinese manufacturer, you know, and and I literally was just reading the story the other day in in a uh, um, in an article that was talking about this uh, this guy in Thailand teaching Chinese. Um, you know, what, you know, entrepreneurs, how to knock off their competition off the platform. Mm. Like literally, you know, here's how you can um, manipulate the reviews, like order a bunch of products and, you know, do a bunch of, you know, poor reviews. Um, You know, there's, you know, talk about, you know, specifically how the product wasn't as, as delivered, the product wasn't as described, like, you know, getting into these very specific tactics. And then, and I know a number of people. That have come to my summit before that were like, yeah, man, I, I, my my listing's been knocked off of Amazon for uh, for fifteen, you know, thirty, you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty days, and I lost like a million bucks because of that. And you don't get that revenue back again. So having all of your eggs in the Amazon basket is the stupidest thing that you could do if you're an Amazon seller. Especially when it's so damn simple to set up your own platform and let everybody else do all the work. And that's that's kind of where like my again my you know I'm I'm on my soapbox but preaching that that vendor directory that I have, hmm. you can literally build your funnel, you can not you. You can have someone else build your funnel. Someone else send you traffic. Someone else will will manufacture your product. Someone else will ship the product someone else will handle customer service you don't have to do any of the work mm. all you have to do is sit in your tidy whities <laughs> in your house full of action figures and and look at numbers and be the wizard of oz like on your uh you know on your crm or on your shopping cart and just make sure that you've got you know you've got more money coming in and you've got going out and just continue to do that over and over again
1: and i i think you know i i, I echo what you say and 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 whilst whilst you're um Like, you know, you've said, Oh, you know, I'm on my, my soapbox or whatever. I hear, I hear tough love, right? Nate's giving out tough love that will help the audiences. And I've, (laughs) I've, I have done a similar thing. I've been, um, you know, I've been on stage. I've been speaking. I came right on after an Amazon expert and the Amazon expert's like, buy my course, buy my course, buy my course. And, and like, you'll make loads of money. And I came on and I I think one of the, the audience kind of shouted out a question and, and said, and it was like, you know, Oh, would you do this? Like, would you build your own brand or would you build an Amazon brand? Like previous person said, and I was like, "Fuck!" I'm like, you know, so I'm, I want to be respectful to the other speakers, but but I sort of said, "Look, I would do both, or yes, I would I build would my both. own brand." Right? Like, if you can only do one or the other, I'd be building my own brand every day of the week. I would not be yep. over being over reliant. And you know, if you're on Amazon, you're 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 trying to drive traffic to someone else's business, and they're notorious at slapping people just to maintain. Um, this reputation of being badass, right? And and Bezos is, oh, you know, hulked up a little bit over the years as well, yeah. and so he even looks more badass. Um, and you know, so Amazon's an amazing traffic source, but you need to have like multi, you know, omnipresence, multi-channel, and 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 be yeah. matching what you're doing on on Amazon off of Amazon as well. And um, I've been in masterminds with big big Amazon sellers, and they're desperate to to have that kind of success off of Amazon because. They're, you know, they're going to sleep and waking up every morning like shit. I hope today's not the day I get that email saying you're banned.
0: So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm their Obi Wan Kenobi because I've got the blueprint for how the hell to do that. Yeah. Um, and and then on the on the flip side, when you build your own platform, especially if you're running affiliate traffic to, you know, to, uh, you know, to your own platform, mm-hmm. you can you can retarget, you can send. Uh, You know, emails and and, and messaging, you can send your retargeting ads to your Amazon listing, and then you can control the traffic that's going to your Amazon listing. And if even if someone else is messing with you, like you at least have a whole lot more power to be able to, you know, to create new reviews, maybe maybe all your reviews get get sucked away like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now you have all of this traffic that's off of the Amazon platform that's going on. We'll send them some emails and say, hey, we've got a special on Amazon. You can get it for 20% off. We, and we've we've played around with selling stuff on our own platform for three times as much as we sell it on Amazon. Mm. And it, it, just special deals and stuff. And it still works. And it works great. Mm. So that's been a big thing that I'm actually somewhat, like, I don't know that I'm known for this with the CPA side. In fact, most of my uh, most of my counterparts and 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 competition, you know, friends and and competitors in the CPA space, they don't use Amazon, and I, I'm scratching my head when I talk to them. I'm like, why not? Like, they're going, they literally are searching for, or they're they're finding you somehow. And as soon as they see you, uh, there's a good percentage of them that are going to open another browser window and they're going to look for you on Amazon. And they're not going to see you, but they'll see your competitor. Or they'll see someone similar to you. So they don't even know it, but they're generating traffic and sales for their competitors. They weren't going to get that sale on their own platform, but if they at least had their product on Amazon, then they can capture that sale. So it's not. It doesn't take from. It's in addition to. That's that's a huge piece that you know we have been doing that for a long long time, and um, it's it, it's very you know hand in hand. It works together. It's it, they're not separate.
1: Exactly, and you can even take your reviews that you've already gotten on Amazon, you can put them on your product page off of Amazon because they're your reviews, they're for your product, you, um, you know, and, and it, like you said, it goes hand in hand. It's it's synergistic, but you don't go all out, like just one, in the same way that you don't go all out one traffic source, right? And this last year has been an eye-opening experience for a lot of e-commerce that were driving the Lambos in uh, 2017, and, you know, Facebook Facebook has been licking their wounds a little bit this year uh, with the Cambridge Analytica thing and all of that. They're not being focused on ads. They've been focused on protection. And, um, you know, a lot of advertisers have been have found themselves um, on the wrong end of Facebook trying to, you know, um, tighten up uh, yep. who they let advertise on their platform. And, and um, you know, anyone that was kind of over-reliant on Facebook has, you know, they've cut themselves on the cutting edge, like you said.
0: Yeah, and same thing with Amazon. Hashtag
1: trademark name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and same thing with Amazon sellers, too. I know a number of Amazon sellers that, you know, as, as Amazon's getting bigger, they're they're customer focused. They're not merchant focused. Mm. So it's, that's another terminology people get confused is what's well, a merchant? Well, merchant, to you, dummy. If you're selling <laughs> stuff uh, and, and you've got the product, you're a merchant. Mm. Um, they, Amazon is, is not third-party seller uh, motivated, in fact, they have a whole division that knocks off the top brands like you know that's what amazon basics is do you yeah. think in the beginning amazon basics was selling iphone cords no uh, someone else was they saw how how great it was doing and then just like kirkland does for costco or uh, great value does for walmart they they own all this real estate they see what's going out the door and then they think to themselves well I can I can improve my our margins overall for the the total empire by offering these individual products, yeah. and and then they've also got the economies of scale that are unreal. Like they can go to China and get this stuff made at like for right. vast amounts, and they've got all the sales data. They also so control they know exactly, the
1: algorithm as
0: well, and they control the algorithm. <laughs> so if you don't right think, yeah. it, I I don't understand how Amazon sellers can look at their businesses and think of like oh man like this is going to be great like. You're hunted, like you—you you literally are a pig in a field of hunters. And yeah, you may have found a truffle, and that's a yummy truffle right now. But if you don't finish that truffle and move on, you're going to get shot in the ass.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think the 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 smarter Amazon sellers, certainly the ones that um you know that I've been speaking with and so on, you know they they are fully aware of the challenge they've got, and um and I think you know like you said, you're the Obi Wan Kenobi um, that they need because. Um, you know they focus, they've they've they have uh, fixated and um, obsessed in a good way, like like entrepreneurs should about right. How do I crush Amazon? And they've done that for a couple of years, and they've now got brands that are doing seven eight figures a month. And you know they're, but now it's like okay, I, w- I need to try and match that off of Amazon, and it's a different beast. And um, you know, and your vendor list tease tease tease. Um, people <laughs> help them, so. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I'm going to, we'll, we'll both step down for a second from our soapboxes. We'll change Aww. it. We'll change. ah oh, fuck. Should we, should <laughs> we just, should we just single out a few other people and just slate them for a couple of minutes? And
0: we probably made enough enemies on yeah, this podcast.
1: Fuck it. fuck it. We, I like Amazon. I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. It's too easy. I love it. Easy, I love right?
0: Amazon too. As a consumer, it's awesome. Yeah. As a seller, it's, it's a, it puts you in scary. a precarious place. It's
1: scary, isn't it? But I, but actually, I say the same thing. It's in my book. i, I, I never miss an opportunity to say it from stage as well. Um, for anybody that's advertising on Facebook, you are not the customer of Facebook, right? The people who are scanning Facebook, poking each other, I don't know if pokes is still a thing on Facebook, and looking at cat videos, those are the customers of Facebook. Those are the people Facebook trying to keep happy. You are an advertiser and... Facebook really, really wants to get this utopia whereby every single post in the newsfeed is just as engaging as the last one. The ads and the cat videos are just equally engaging and that's what they're looking for and they reward you if you're an advertiser that can do that and they will slap you if you're an advertiser that doesn't do that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's about realising who is the customer because uh, it's not us, right? Even though it's weird because we pay so much money, um, but you know, it is weird, but that is the case on all of the different platforms. Um, you know, all of the traffic sources, that is the case. And they all follow a similar kind of curve where they let everybody in in the beginning and then they tighten up their rules and they get bigger and then they start changing some rules. It's, it's a, it's a natural transition. It's very organic. It's good. It's great for the, for the uh, consumer. And if they didn't protect the consumer, the ad platform would die. But, um, we just got to be aware of that as marketers and use that, uh, to our advantage. So, um, right. I'm going to kick that soapbox away. Stupid soapbox. You bring it out in me, Nate. We're going ah. <laughs> to We're going to have some uh, I think we're going to have some debates I think in uh, in January in Dominican Republic when we are uh, hanging out with uh, what, what's your drink of choice?
0: Um, I like craft beer probably the the most. I'm not a I'm not a big cocktail guy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just been been my preference. I like to low and slow ease into a couple of beers starting about 10 in the morning <laughs> and then another beer actually morning it, beer. when I'm in <laughs> <laughs> when I'm in the Caribbean, I really like uh, there's a beer called, uh, or it's, a, it's actually kind of a mixed drink, I guess. Um, it's called a michelada. Yeah. And it's, so it's like a, a uh, what do you call it? like a Mexican beer and some clamato juice. So it's kind of like a, like a beer bloody mary sort of mm-hmm. thing and there's worcestershire sauce in it um a little bit a little bit of soy sauce some hot sauce i can drink those things all day long because they're so diluted and yeah. so i love it because then then i get to be part of like the cool crowd that's drinking all day but i'm not like totally shit-faced i don't have to worry about making an ass out of myself which i do a great job sober <laughs> i don't need any help being drunk and making an ass out of myself
1: and and what's your kryptonite i'm asking for a friend
0: uh a kryptonite like for drinking yeah um i don't know like i'm old and and gray enough now like there's uh, there's there's not like a guilty pleasure that i'll just like you'll get me like i don't succumb to peer pressure people like they'll order like shots of tequila and i'll go okay great look and i'll, I'll just flick <laughs> it over my shoulder so when someone does that with some uh, some don julio they don't do it a second time because it's expensive
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're the guy that wasted the don julio fair enough totally. right Hey, Martin here again with an audio goodie bag of a bonus before you head off. First up, I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please subscribe and follow Smarter Destiny across iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. It really helps spread our message and you'll get valuable content along the way too. Secondly, if you have an e-commerce business or are thinking of starting one, grab a copy of my new book, 1% Secret, recommended by Kevin Harrington and a host of other elite, Guys, even better, it's free. Just help out with the shipping costs. So head to smarterdestiny.com forward slash book to grab your free copy. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode.